You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's Wednesday, so it's time for Wayne on Wednesday with Wayne McCurry, who's a portfolio manager at FNB Wealth and Investment in Johannesburg. Wayne, there's nothing in particularly exciting going on at the moment, and I know people might dispute that, but I'm talking about market movements. They're still range-bound. What I like about what's going on is that the markets, both bond and equity markets, have stabilised. In other words, they had every every right to go down. I thought that perhaps the US 10-year Treasury bond yield might have gone through 5% from the the wrong direction. And it's come right back. And the S&P 500, uh, currently, it was threatening to go down through 4,200 is now around about 4,400. So I'm quite pleased with the way it's behaving. It's behaving responsibly as we move towards the end of the year. What do you think? I think so as well, I must say. Um, the market seems to be, I don't know, maybe it's too early. I mean, who knows? Next week, another war could break out. Next week, there could be an inflation scare. Next week, the market might change its sentiment. So who knows what's going to happen? But certainly in the last day or two or three, there seems to be a growing realization in the markets that, hey, maybe there's not another interest rate increase on its way. Yes. And I actually listened to the, I don't know which Fed governor, you know, one of the American states. I don't know. They've got 12 governors. I'm not sure how many governors they've got. Anyway, one of the governors was on an interview on TV and he said, you know, maybe there's not another interest rate increase coming. And so there seems to be, you know, the consensus now seems to be moving towards Maybe it's over now. Maybe we're at the peak and inflation will behave itself and the labor market will behave itself. And, of course, the oil price coming down 10-odd dollars, despite the war, certainly helps. So maybe there's now the perception interest rates are at the peak and the next move is down. And that's why the market and the long bond are behaving decidedly better. There's two ways and to it's look. Certainly, at- very, very good news for our market because our market. I mean, yesterday you don't day. often see three percent. Eh? Yeah, it was a really, and really often good day. Three percent, and I could see from your yeah, tweets today, that you were happy because the platinum shares, for example, did very well indeed. Yes, they're down a bit today for the last time I looked, but yes. I think <laughs> so. All of that mm. is looking quite positive. There's two ways of looking at the oil price, which you mentioned. I mean, at one stage a couple of weeks ago, it was uh, in the it was approaching the mid 90s. Heading heading for 90, yeah. Yeah, well, and, and now it's and now it's it's fallen back um, percentage wise quite substantially. There's two ways of looking at yes. that. To me, it's one that says, okay, economic activity doesn't support a higher oil price because of demand, and the other one is that the uh, the producers whether they be OPEC or expanded OPEC, whatever they call it, OPEC plus, OPEC are, plus cheating, yeah. are, are cheating. So there's two ways to look well, at it. Always, they, they always they cheat. They cheat and they don't cheat. They cheat and they don't cheat. Um, I don't know about Russia. That I don't know. But surprisingly enough, Saudi Arabia, which is the really big producer, obviously, yes, they didn't cheat. It was the Venezuelas and the... Wherever else, the Nigerians and Angolans, wherever else, mm. Angolans, they all cheated. But the, but the big ones, and I don't think Russia will cheat as well, because they're so big, they might end up shooting themselves actually in the foot. Because 
you know, if you cheat and produce 5% more oil, the oil price can easily fall by, by, I don't know, make it 3%. But you lose out the volume that you put through, you lose out the 3% on your whole volume instead of just getting the extra that you on the bit that you're cheating on. So you, you actually, you, you, you actually uh, uh, you know, shoot yourself in the foot quite literally because if you're a small producer, it doesn't matter. But if you're a big producer like Saudi and, 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 uh, and Russia, you can actually be worse off. So I don't think they would cheat because it doesn't suit them. No, no, it, it really doesn't. But the I smaller mean, ones will. Yeah, of course. They need the instantaneous revenue. That's the whole point. Whereas uh, somewhere like Russia, you know, with, with its various activities that we need not to speak about, uh, have to be funded. Yeah. Mm. Talking about oil. But we've spoken about, yeah, yeah, let's talk about oil, yeah. No, I want to talk about something that's associated to oil, and it's something that's close to your heart, and it's, it's motor cars. Yeah. And um, you've always been slightly sceptical of electric vehicles, and a friend of ours, who I won't mention, is, is an investor in the electric vehicle industry, whether it be a primary producer of electric vehicles or ancillary industries. I made a few notes over the last few days about very various programs I've seen on TV. Number one, they're expensive. They're expensive compared to, to cars that we've been used to, where you stick some fuel in, in them. The second thing is that there's there's something called, in the UK, there's something called charge rage. So people are driving along looking for a charging point and someone else has just got there. So they have a go at each other, like road rage, but it's just charge rage. They can't find a charger. That's quite interesting. But the other thing that's more interesting to me is three things. Number one, there are certain insurance companies in the United Kingdom that will not now insure an electric vehicle because of the, the amount of cost of repairs. 25% more, it costs 25% more to repair an electric vehicle than a, a normal vehicle. And also it takes, it takes longer because the, the parts for an electric vehicle are not as readily available as other cars. And the other thing is the insurance premiums, if you do get insured, over the last year have risen by 70%. And I thought that was, um, that was quite telling. So if you're sitting down and saying to your partner or whatever, shall we buy a car? Do we want an electric one or a Wayne McCurry one? I think they'll go for the Wayne McCurry route. Yeah, look, I've, I've actually done a little bit of work on it. And as you've said, um, I wouldn't say, I think it's wrong to say I'm against electric vehicles. Okay. Electric vehicles and the move to electric vehicles is unstoppable. Okay, it is unstoppable. My biggest problem areas with this whole EV story, one of them is what exactly what you mentioned. At the moment, you don't get value for money at all. But that's just a case of economies of scale and for electric vehicles. I know Tesla's there. But the really big gorillas are only now gearing up for electric vehicles. And all the problems you mentioned, lack of charging point, insurance premiums, spares, longer to fix, more expensive to fix. That's all an economy of scale story. You know, in 10 years time when everyone's producing electric vehicles and there are 10 times more electric vehicles on the road, et cetera, et cetera, that will all come down. That, that is literally all economies of scale. 
you know, it was far more expensive to buy a to buy a motor car than to buy a horse a hundred years ago. <laughs> but there's not many horses around nowadays. You know what I mean? So that's just in, an economies of, of 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 scale coming through the picture, and all of those will be ironed out. Whether it's ten or fifteen years time, those will all disappear. The, the, the other the other issue I've got with elect or another issue I've got with electric vehicles is I'm not convinced that battery electric is going to win this race because batteries have an inherent problem. It doesn't matter how much technology you put into a battery, it takes time to charge. You know, it'll never be able to charge as quickly as filling up your car with petrol exactly. or filling up your car with fuel. But it, that will change as well, won't it, as technology advances? No, no, not necessarily. It might ah. change. They get these... Child, no, look, I mean, as far as, and I mean, I'm, I believe me, I am an expert at this. I mean, I, studied, I know you are. I, I only just barely, barely passed physics when I was at school. But, you know, the power you put, you can only charge a battery fast if you've got massively thick cables and a huge power supply to your house. Because you can't charge a car fast on your 220 volt system at home because you just haven't got the amps to put into the car. So in other words, if you're going to put into a 60 amp hour battery, but you only working uh, on a two amp charge at home, you know, it's going to take you hundred and whatever, however many hours, 30 hours to charge it because that's, so in other words, you can charge a battery quickly, got to have that power supply available to charge quickly. Yes. You know, because in other words, you, you, and of course you've got to watch out for the battery overheating if you charge it too quickly. So, they can refine it, but as far as I understand, they can't get away from their basic physics. You know, it's like trying to swim up, trying to fill up your swimming pool. You can fill it up very quickly with a fire hose, but you can't fill it up very quickly with your garden hose pipe. It's a similar thing. You know, it's a similar concept. That's yeah, a good analogy. So I'm not yeah. sure battery. Yeah, I'm not sure battery electric is going to be the winner. Maybe it's a fuel cell. Maybe it's a hydrogen powered. But electric as the power chain is going to be in 30 years' time, I don't know how many years' time, you won't be able to buy an internal combustion engine. Because electric truly is the way to go. It is hugely efficient. It's good in the environment. And there's a lot more. Effectively, an electric motor gives you uh, your full torque output at one revolution. Whereas a internal combustion doesn't. That's why you've got gears in an internal combustion engine. Electric motor doesn't need gears. Gives you full power from the first rev. So there's huge, there's huge advantages to an electric vehicle. But I'm just not sure, as I said, I'm just but, not sure if it's battery electric. But the things that the, the battery runs out and to replace it is enormously expensive. And the well, other thing which has happened... But that's also... But that's also economies of scale. That will also all eventually come down. Okay, what about this? There's, there's been a lot of bad imports of uh, batteries for, for e-bikes into the United Kingdom, and there's been some horrible stories of these things. You park in your house and they blow up during the night and houses are burned yeah. down with, uh, with devastating effect. Yesterday at Luton Airport, a Terminal 2, which is a busy airport yeah, these yeah, days. Yeah. I think it was a Range Rover. Is there an electric Range Rover? I think there is. There, there possibly be. There, I actually don't know, to be honest. I don't. I know there's one electric Jaguar, but I don't know about Land Rover. I really don't know. Anyway, premium brand, 
And the, the the people are away. They've gone on holiday. They've parked the car in Terminal 2's car park, and the thing blew up. And it completely yeah. destroyed. All the other cars blew up as well, uh, the, whether they yeah. be electric or whatever. And they completely destroyed this car park. And the airport had to close down. It's In fact, it closed down for around about 15 hours. And I thought to myself, yeah. this sounds dangerous to me, especially it's, it's, not, yeah. a, it's not a Chinese but I, but car. I, and I'm not being nasty about Chinese yeah. cars, but it, but it closed I, it down. Know, that, obviously, these things can happen. But, you know, petrol cars also explode. Remember the old days with the VW Beetle? They always used to catch a light. No, I don't remember that. You know, so it's, not, it's, not, it's not that unusual for a motor car to catch a light. And obviously, the technology is still relatively speaking young and it hasn't been fully refined and it will be continuously refined over many, many decades, if not forever. So that, that, that I think will be quite normal. You know, it's like uh, I watched a program last night on TV about all the rockets that the Russians and the Americans sent up into space. You know, some are going to blow up because it's a, you know, it's new technology essentially. It's like even Elon Musk, I mean, his rocket blew up. You know, because that's what happens when you're embarking on a new adventure, a new technological challenge. So, so that I don't think will stop motor, motor electric vehicles at all. The odd, the odd bike, or even more than the odd bike, or the odd car bursting into flames. I think that's unfortunately part and parcel. You know, when 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 motor when aeroplanes came around, many crashed. Eh? You know, it took a hundred years to truly refine that technology. So that doesn't worry me. That that doesn't con- concern me at all. But you know, the other thing, just maybe as a final comment about uh, 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 electric vehicles and battery or any kind of thing, it's a long transition. Um, roughly speaking, very rough. There are 1.3 billion uh, internal combustion engines in the world. Yes of which the overwhelming majority are motor car engines. And there's about 100 million new cars sold each year. And at the moment, this is the one figure I'm not sure of, but of the 100 million, I don't think there's more than 5 or 10 million if that electric vehicle sold. So even if 100% of all cars sold each year is electric, it still takes you 10, 12 years to you know, work through the car park. So this, 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 uh, it's not a revolution, it's an evolution. It's probably going to take 20 decades until the majority of cars on the road are electric. Uh, 20 years, two decades, until the majority of the cars on the road are electric. So, you know, when, when, when these new things start, you know, there's such a hype about it. I mean, like when we're getting that same hype now with artificial intelligence, it's unstoppable, but it takes a lot longer to actually happen than what you think about. I can remember in 1994, just as the internet was starting out in South Africa, there was this study where can you sit at home and just click and order everything and not have to leave your house? And the talk at that time was in three years' time, four years' time, there'll be no more retail shops. Everyone will just be clicking online and buying everything. You know, now, 25 years later, about 20% of sales are online. You know, it's, it's what, in South Africa takes, or globally? I mean, gl- globally, it's much yeah, higher than that, surely. Well, probably South Africa is 15, 20%, but it's not 100. No. Anyway, so that's my whole point. 
is that these things take longer to happen than what the initial hype was. And I remember the fourth industrial revolution conference at Davos. What was that? Eight years ago, 10 years ago, whatever it was. You know, we were going to be, when you listen to the hype, there were going to be self-driving automatic cars who were going to take over the world. I haven't seen one yet. And hopefully you, know, you never Hopefully you never will. Oh, no, they're coming. No, they are coming. Not in my part but of the then, world, they're even not. Then, no, 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 then even very limited. What they'll do is they'll essentially drive a circuit in a, in a busy town where all the sensors are in place on the road and there's proper safety precautions. You know, and they might even have a supervisor in it. They won't actually be driving the car, but they'll just be keeping an eye out. Of four, so four what's things. the point? I mean, you're still employing somebody. It's... Yeah, but you can employ a far lower skill person because they essentially, like, 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 uh, let me give you, let me say two more things on this. Okay. Driver aids are going to be going through the roof now. And they're going to only become more and more. So although you will still be driving and in control, you will be assisted enormously. And let me give you an example. The world's biggest rugby fan. Yes. Her car. Mm. What's she got? Which, isn't, which is not a brand new car. I don't buy new cars. It's a, it was a five-year-old car when we bought it. What but is it? It's got lane assist. It's a Jaguar. Okay. <laughs> it's got lane assist. So when you've got lane assist on and you're going on a highway, first thing it does, it tells you I can recognize the lanes on the highway. So it tells you that. I can recognize the But lane. if she's driving then it, the you, world's biggest rugby you, fan, your partner, is this, yeah. surely she can see the lanes. Yes, but no, that's not the point. The point is if you're just scratching in your handbag or turning the radio or fiddling somewhere and you drift a little bit, <laughs> the car doesn't warn you. It physically turns the steering wheel to keep you in your lane. It physically turns the steering wheel. Now, I find it a bit annoying because every time you want to change lanes, you've got to put the indicator on. Even if there's not one single car around, put the indicator on to change the lane. Otherwise, it resists. It doesn't stop you changing lanes if you've got your hands on the steering wheel, but it resists you. It gives you a little nudge. So, that, But that's not the point. The point is you've got these driver aids. Also, you've got these driver aids now where if you're approaching a car too quickly and you didn't put your brake on, the car puts the brake on for you. Then you've also got the speed control. I can set the speed at 120 k's an hour. If I'm coming up behind another car, my car slows down automatically. So these driver aids. So the cars will become, I think, semi-autonomous, not fully autonomous. Okay. And I think that's coming hugely. I mean, and then the second thing is like an aeroplane. You don't need a person in the cockpit to fly an aeroplane. You can actually just put a technician in there to keep an eye on the computer and all the flight controls. Aeroplanes can fly automatically, land, take off, air traffic control. Everything can be automatic. But you think anyone's driving can climb into an aeroplane without a pilot? No chance. Yeah, you see, I knew I shouldn't that's, have spoken about happened. cars and, and everything because it's your passion. And now we've gone to three or four different subjects. You're now talking about aeroplanes. I'd, I'd like to point yeah. out the Boeing 737 MAX, which was super a super technical aeroplane, and we know what happened to the 737 MAX, and, and Boeing got stuffed uh, because of that. But uh, anyway, let me tell you something about my car, Wayne. 
I haven't got one, and I haven't had one for seven years. Yeah, I, I haven't had one for seven years, and I'm very happy not to. I'm very happy to phone up Uber or some other company and say, "Excuse me, my dear fellow, could you take me? Could you take me here so I can get a train somewhere?" That's that's what I do. Yeah. But that's just me. And after what you've just said, I don't want to have a car. I don't want to have a car telling yeah, me what look, what lane to be in. Thank you very much. No, but look, I I do agree with you. Um, we. We, as a, as, a, as a couple, the reality is we could probably have one car. But it's not quite so convenient to call the Uber and wait for the Uber than just climb in your car and go. Mm. No, it's, it's just, not. You know, so, but yes, that's, it's, it's, I know lots of people in our office, couples. There's three that I know of that have sold the one car. Good. And then they Uber. They've sold the one car and they're Ubering. So it is clearly a, 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 it's clearly viable. I think it is. The other thing that's viable, Wayne, is a program that I saw on the... This is We're going on to food now because the markets... We understand the markets. They're going through a quiet period. Yeah. So we don't need to go on about Sean Summers and pick and pay and all that sort of thing. Uh, what we need to talk about now is food. And I don't know if I've told you... Maybe I'm repeating myself, but I watched a program on... I think it was... Yeah, it was Netflix couple of weeks ago it's called live to a hundred the secrets of the blues yes. blue zones have you heard of it or did i tell you about it no i haven't heard of i know you haven't told me about it but there's something else on dstv be called the super ages or something and it's the same, same okay thing. well let me tell you about the netflix one the, what, 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 this chap goes around the world and what they've done is identified populations small populations granted of people that have an inordinately high percentage of centenarians in their population. In other words, these people live to, you know, to, to 100, 100 plus, and they analysed why. And there's a Greek island which hasn't got any ports, uh, hasn't got a port that will, will sustain a big boat for, for imports, so they grow all their own stuff over the decades, even centuries. They've grown their own stuff, and all these people live to be 105 years old. I don't know if I want to, but anyway, that's what, what's happened. Yes. Sardinia is another one. These people in these mountain villages, and they have to walk up and down these high, steep um, streets and, and, and stuff, and also eat fresh food. And they do so as well. But there's another one. It was Costa Rica, I think. I always get mixed up with Costa Rica and Puerto Rico. But anyway, they have this thing called the Three Sisters, and it's it's corn, i.e. maize, squash, you know, pumpkins and butternut, etc., and beans. And that's what they more or less uh, survive on. And these people are, are fit, you know. There was this one chap, he was 102 years old, and he was riding a horse, and he looked fitter than me, which isn't difficult, but he did look at it. And in Korea as well, they eat, what's that fermented cabbage called? Kimchi? Anyway, the, the point is, it's not going to be your sort of diet, Wayne, because you like the good stuff. But the point is that yes, food uh, is terribly that. important. And I, I certainly no. thought to myself, maybe I'm eating the wrong things. That's why I feel so bad in the morning. No, but you, but you, you are a lot more conscious, healthy eater than than what I am. Yes, I am. I mean, I've said it a few times. I am extremely lucky in that I have a very resilient gene pool. Because otherwise, given how I live and how I eat, and that I should probably be dead already. So I, I I'm, I'm extremely lucky in that respect. But to come back about your choices, I can uh, maybe I couldn't eat it exclusively, 
But I like butternut. Yes. I certainly like corn. Uh, I, great, great favorite of mealies. And, and, and the odd, as I said, I couldn't live in it, but the odd bit of kimchi, I, 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 I can do that. Just don't talk about apples and <laughs> especially bananas. You mean fruit? I, I truly, well, any kind of fruit, you know. <laughs> Yeah, well, actually, uh, fruit didn't come yeah, up in the, bananas, in the whole thing. Bananas are the worst, eh? I never eat a banana, and I haven't done for no, maybe I, I 17 can't years. Stand bananas. Nor can I. Yeah. I'm with you on that one. But the other thing, Wayne, was very interesting was you. I mean, okay, I drink, you smoke. You drink occasionally. I, I drink every day, but I don't smoke. But, but you smoke. So if we cut out those two vices. But also you have a happy relationship from what I understand, and I, don't, I hope I'm not talking yes, out of yes, turn. Yes. And that's also terribly important. I don't know if you have family around you, but you've certainly got friends around you. And that's the other yes. thing that they said. If you have a community around you, whether friends or family, that's also terribly important. And you have that. So if you could cut out the smoking, you'll probably live to around about 200, never mind 100. Well, as we spoke about early on, I'm not sure you want to. Yeah. But I will say something about smoking now, with me in particular. Yes. I now, during work hours, for want of a better word, mm. eight and five, I'm now puffing, um, vaping. That? Oh, no, please don't say that. Yeah. I'd rather you smoked than, 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 than vaped. No, I think vaping's far healthier. Than, it's still unhealthy, but it's healthier than smoking, I think. I certainly don't nearly cough as much at all. Mm. And I, I can't say I feel better. I, I must admit, and I've spoken to a few chaps now who used to smoke and now only vape. And they also say, you know, they, they certainly don't feel the got, got this, the, the groggy headache in the morning and they certainly don't cough as much as what they used to. But, you know, they're not going to run the Comrades Marathon. All right. Are you going to go back to the normal tobacco or are you going to stay with the vapes? Most, from all the literature that I've seen and people I've spoken to, mm. no, I, I still smoke at night time. Okay. But uh, the, the vaping, you know, a very good friend of mine who I see every day, he comes to the garage. Yeah. Him and I, he was as dedicated a smoker as what I still am, you could argue. Yes. He moved over to vape, I don't know, called it six months ago maybe longer, maybe a year ago, and he hasn't touched a cigarette since he started vaping. Oh, in other words, for us, for us, us dedicated smokers who are addicted to nicotine, the vaping does actually work. In other words, it is effectively a, a nicotine delivery device. You know, more so than those little pads you used to stick to your arms <laughs> and that. So eight till, eight till five you vape, and then you get, get home, have a glass of, of wine or whatever it is, and then you, you no, smoke no, normal no. cigarettes. No, I don't. I, I, I maybe I, I only drink when I only drink wine when we go out. I, I don't have any alcohol at home at all. Okay. And the world's the world's biggest rugby fan yeah. doesn't drink at all. In fact, if you give her half a glass of wine mm. and she drinks it, you'll get. 10 minutes of Gilbert and Sullivan show tunes, and then she goes to sleep. <laughs> Cheap date. Fantastic. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sounds like the ideal woman. Wayne, let's not go on from here, but thank you very much for your analysis. Wayne McCurry is a portfolio manager at FNB Wealth and Investment, and that was Wayne on Wednesday.
The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organisation, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.